0: Well house. Or maybe the better greeting would be, who dat, right? Um, all right, so I didn't get to see with my own eyes. I know Rachel just asked this, but I need to know who the righteous and the unrighteous are. So who are my Pats fans today? All right, who are, right here, right here. He's from Massachusetts, though, so he gets like a, a, a bye uh, this week. All right, how many Rams fans? How many could care less about football? You're just ready for Maroon 5. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. And then how many of you don't care about football, you don't care about Maroon 5, because you know there's never going to be a greater halftime show than Justin Timberlake anyway? How many of you are just there for the food? All right. It's a big day. Uh, you know, a lot of people are going to gather with friends, family, house groups, neighbors. I love this because it unites people. And, and again, it's not even about the game. It's about being able to get together with people, and it's about those sorts of things. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm still protesting, okay? I'm reeling like a lot of you. I'm protesting <laughs> the worst call in NFL history, or should I say the worst no call. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, here's what I'm talking about. It was a pass interference call two weeks Quiz ago. Snap. Breeze Pass it's, it's, it's all over. No right flag. You'll see it from Tommy a different Lee angle. Lewis. Here it is. Mikhail Roby Coleman delivered a hit. Yes, he did. And the yes, two officials talked to each other. The ball's not there. You Crowd's can't make that sort crazy of contact. As there's no right? flag right on the Saints sideline. So here's the deal. I'm protesting, but I'm still going to eat the food. I'm still going to watch Maroon 5. I'm still going to root for Tom Brady. But uh, here's the thing. I love watching the different reactions in the postgame. I love last week Cameron Jordan, one of the Saints players, showed up at the Pro Bowl, and he had a a shirt on, and, and the shirt just read this. He said, blow whistles, not games. And then the back of the shirt said this, make calls, not apologies. And there were some bitter people. There were some upset people. There were some people expecting not just the call to be made, but for the call to be made up. But one of the things that was was greatest about it was watching Drew Brees navigate this. If you don't know anything about Drew Brees, Drew is the quarterback for the Saints. And, and he's aging. You know, he's kind of in that prime, but a little bit, you know, on the backside of that. He just turned 40. And so he's aging. So he doesn't have a lot of time left. And the best response that I heard was not a t-shirt that said blow whistles. It was a, a, an interview. After the game, after the, 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 the worst call in, in, in NFL history. And this is why he's become one of the greatest, not just on the field, but off the field. And here's what he said in his post game. He said, there's nothing we can do about it. It's unfortunate, but it's a game. We'll move on. We'll come back next year and make another run at it. And I don't know about you, but this makes me love Drew Brees even more. And then what I love next level is this. He left this interview after being absolutely crushed by a complete botched, fixed, because we want the L.A. market miscall. call. He leaves that interview having experienced this massive moment of disappointment, to go and do something even more important. Even moments after that interview, here's where he was seen. He was seen on the field with his kids, which he does every game, kicking field goals, making passes, tying shoes, being a father. And I don't know about you, but this makes me not just love Drew Brees, but it makes me wonder, how does a guy or where does a guy get the sort of strength to overcome that sort of disappointment. If you're like me, this is not how I respond. Again, I'm gonna expose my human weakness. I'm gonna be like, kids, get in the car, we ain't playing catch tonight. <laughs> Dad is not in the mood. I don't know about you, but I would not, <laughs> I would not just pass it off in an interview as, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, I think in that moment, I'm going to get a fine, right? Because I'm going to just blast people, and I'm going to come at the NFL, and I'm going to come at the refs, and this costs me a potential championship. But what I love is that he understands that bad things happen, and you've got to find a way to navigate. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to use this text, but I want to ask you, what happens? How do you respond? How do you navigate when life doesn't throw the flag? When there is a a moment that you can look at and you can pinpoint that there should have been a flag thrown, it was unfair, not the right call, yeah, it was unfortunate, but it goes even beyond that, it's just not right, it's not what I was expecting. What do you do when life doesn't call pass interference? What happens when you go into work and the boss says, have a seat, let's close the door and hands you the pink slip? you go, whoa, 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 this is not, I already had vacation planned, and where'd this come from? I've never even been written up. I helped somebody this last week navigate that. What do you do in those moments when you go, this is not right, this is not fair, this is not what I was expecting. What do you do when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, we've seen something that's a little bit shaky, we'd like to do a few more tests. And you go, whoa, 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 (laughs) I got kids, and I got things to do and I don't I don't have time to deal with something that let's be honest is really scary what do you do when life doesn't throw the flag or it throws the flag in the way of a phone call from school when it says I hate to make this call again but you're gonna have to come get your kid because they just can't seem to behave and cooperate and you're going again what do you do when, you, when, you, when, you're, when, your, when your child is diagnosed with something that you don't know a lot about, you're not familiar with it, and the word just scares you? Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with this? I mean, I never thought it would be my child. I, I, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what this means fully. What do we do with that? These are calls. These are, these are flags on the play, or these are missed calls that you go, I was not expecting this. This does not seem fair. It doesn't seem right. This is not what I was planning to deal with. And I'm not sure that I even have the strength, the knowledge. What am I going to do with this? What do you do with that moment when you thought, this is it, this is going to be forever. This is the one. And either it's the one I'm going to marry, it's the one I did marry, and I thought forever. But here I find myself in a conversation that says, I need a break or I'm done. What do we do with these moments? And if you're like me at times, I go, God, I don't get it. I mean, God, I'm, I'm trying to do what's best. I mean, here I am, I'm trying to pursue you and these moments still come. Come. I didn't think this was what it was. I thought when I gave my life, as we've talked about in the past weeks, when, it, when I, I experienced that movement from death to life, I thought all oh, this goes away. I mean, I thought the game was supposed to go like, it, like, like, you've, like you're in charge of this, right? There's not supposed to be these misfortunate, unfortunate miscalls, right? I, I, how am I going to do this? I'm just going to tell you that there's going to be moments, and if you're new to, to church, you're new to Jesus, you're new in your walk, or even if you've been doing this for a long time, you know this to be true, these moments still come, and they come fast, they come furious, they come unexpected, but these moments are going to come where life isn't fair, or at least it doesn't seem to be in the moment, so the question is how are we going to respond? Where am I going to get the power to to respond with tenacity? Where am I going to get the power or the strength to, to, to respond with courage? I mean, where does that kind of strength come from? Where does one get strength like Drew to be able to sit in an interview after massive disappointment and go, you know what, it's just a game. It's not the most important thing in life. We'll be back. It's not that big of a deal. I got better things to do. I'm going to go play with my kids. Where do we get that sort of power and strength? Well, can I tell you, this is not the first thing. And it's not the worst thing that Drew Brees has ever dealt with. If you don't know anything about Drew, I want to take a second, I just want to introduce you to the man that is behind those interviews. And what you're going to see and what you're going to hear is the perfect bridge into Ephesians chapter 3 when God is going to talk about some inner power, some inner strength that makes those interviews possible. So check this out. And there you have it. The reason Drew moves on Is because of who moves in him. And that's what Paul says, I want for each of you. I want something to move within you. I want something to happen. I want you to experience living from what Paul calls and what Drew is experiencing. I want you to to experience this fullness. It's the word he uses. He says, I want the same for you, and if you're, you're kind of joining us late, we've been in this, this great letter called Ephesians, and it's a letter that, that's not addressing an issue. It's, it's Paul pouring his heart out to these, this group of people, this little church that's not about a particular issue, but what we've seen is this. We have begun to see a glimpse of who God is. So Paul comes in and says, let me show you who God is, because when you begin to grasp who God is, You're going to better understand who you are. And when you begin to understand who you are in light of who God is, then you begin to live differently. You begin to live with a different purpose. You begin to live within a different plan. And he says, not only does that divine purpose work individually, but it works collectively as, as a body. And so he's helping us understand God's plan and purpose. And then right in the middle of this, we're kind of right in the middle of this letter now. He, he says, I, I want to I say a prayer for you. I want, I want you to know that I'm praying specifically for you for something very specific. He says, I, I'm going to pray this prayer that, that you have a deeper experience of God's fullness. It's the same fullness that he talks about kind of at the beginning of the letter, but now he's really going to open it up, and he's going to tell you exactly what he wants for us and why he has spent so much time laying the groundwork of who God is and what he's done for you and now where you're going. And he says, now all of a sudden I'm going to pray that you experience some things that opens this completely wide open for you where you begin to experience this fullness. Listen to verse 19, and then we're going to kind of jump back up to 14. But verse 19 gives us the end goal. He says, let me tell you why I just said what I just said. He says, so that what? You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Sit on that for a second. Paul would not pray something That is not possible or impossible. Paul's praying something that is possible. So sit on that for a second. You mean to tell me that I can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? And Paul says, yes. He says, yes. But there's going to be a process to this. There's going to be some things that God is going to do. And there's going to be some an awareness that you've got to do. So if you want to know how to move past, you want to know how to move through something. These missed calls and, and these misdirections. You want to know how to move beyond life's toughest moments and move into your calling. Move into your purpose, into God's plan for your life. He says, well, here's where it starts. It starts in here. He says, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on out here. He said, it's going to start in here. If you don't hear anything else today, let me, let me, I'm going to put it on the screen, but I want you to hear this. We can't expect God to move us out here. That list of things I just gave you, all these things that are circumstantial. You can't expect God to move us out here if he's yet to move you in here. And Paul says, listen, I know there's some tough things happening in life. And guess what? It's going to get tougher. They were living in a time period where severe persecution was about to come their way as Christians. He says, listen, I don't know exactly what you're dealing with and why you're dealing with it and what's going to be next and how long it's going to last for. But he says, listen, if you want God to move for you out here, it's going to start with God moving you in here. It's going to come from this overflow. And, and, and it might or might not change the circumstance in and of itself, but he says you're going to change in how you deal with the circumstance. So it starts in here. The biggest movement of God is an inside move. There there are going to be moments when we're going to want and God will deliver something out here. He's going to change something, part the waters, do something. But there are moments where, you know what, he may not. He may say, wait. He may say, no. He may say, hold on. And that's those moments where if we've experienced an inside move, it's going to shape in the way that we deal with the outside moves. He says, I want you to experience this. Big movement, the biggest movement of God, and that's an inside move. It's moving your hearts to a place of surrender. It's going to be moving your hearts to a place of holy contentment. It's going to be moving you to a place where you not only experience God's power, you depend on His power. You depend on Him being providential in your life. So if it starts here, I thought, why don't we spend some time evaluating it, talking about it. So let's just work through the prayer. And I want you to know out of the gate, this is a power prayer, and it's a long prayer, uh, not by verse, but there's a lot in it, so we're going to kind of break it up into two weeks. But here we go, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And I just want to pause right there for a second, because I think he gives us the starting place. If you want God to to begin to move out here, and you want God to move in here, it's going to start with this. It's going to start with your posture. Now, we can, we can talk about whether he's talking about literally kneeling or figurative kneeling, whatever it is, but he says it starts with a power post, 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 posture. He says, I want, I want you to do as I do. I want you to kneel before the Father. Let me just ask you, when's the last time you've done that? When's the last time we have, we have deeply emotionally approached to God. Guys, this is deeply powerful. And I think some of us, maybe this is where we need to start. Like I said, this is is a power position. One of the the greatest plays in football is what? Taking a knee. It signifies what? Victory. Game's won. It's done. It's not not a, a position of weakness, no. It's a position of power in this moment when we 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 kneel it's not saying that we're weak no it's saying god i surrender you've already done the hard work the game is won it's it's me loosening the grips it's it's me it's me saying god i'm going to lose I, I can't do anything about it anyway it's unfortunate but god it's yours and i'm going to start in this position it also communicates that there is a sense of of reverent urgency It's this moment when I'm approaching God and God, I am urgent and I'm 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 reverent, I'm putting myself lower than you. It it communicates that there's something worship happening. It's in these moments that we experience power, and, and, and experiencing power, Paul says, Listen, you want to know the starting place, it's it's surrender. You want to know how to experience this power. He says, Start on your knees. He says, So for this reason, he says, I kneel. Before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And he kind of throws in the second little cue. He says, I kneel. I'm going to take this posture, this position of power, surrender. And then I'm going to tie it to family. I don't know if you you made the connection, but he, he calls it family here. And who did he just pray to? Verse 14, he says, the Father. So he's setting up something. He's setting up this concept that, that there is something that happens when we begin to kneel, surrender, and give our lives, when we've experienced what we've talked about in these past weeks, when we've moved from death to life. He says there's a connection that begins to happen. You are family with God. And he says, and everyone derives its name from this. Meaning that there is a connection. You're not just in deep relationship with God, but you are in deep relationship with each other. It kind of goes back to chapter 1. These things begin to chain together. He says in chapter 1, he calls us adopted sons and daughters. That we are adopted, we are grafted into the family. And he says in every family on heaven and earth means that there is a cosmic connection. It goes beyond just well house. It goes beyond just your house group. That there is a cosmic connection that happens. That you are not only connected to God and everything heavenly, but you are connected earthly. That there is a a connection that happens. John chapter 1 says that we, followers, all of us, become children of God. That, That it's not just you by yourself, but we become children. We are born of God. And this is powerful. See, just like kneeling, this power posture can be very powerful in the beginning because we're surrendering, saying, God, I can't, I'm can't. i just going to let you have it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reverently urging. I, I, it's you. It's yours. He says, this concept of family is powerful as well. I can think of two big ways. You may think of a list, but there's two big ways that this is powerful. Number one, it's this. When, when, I, when I get that I'm connected cosmically, not just to God, but to each other, that tells me I'm not alone. So when that pink slip's handed to me, I'm not alone. When the doctor's report comes back, I'm not alone. When my kid gets diagnosed with something I don't know how to deal with, I don't even know what it is, I'm not alone. When what I thought was going to last forever doesn't. When I thought I knew someone and they ended up being somebody completely different, and now I'm kind of left dealing with some things and picking up some pieces of not just a broken heart but a broken life, it tells me that this cosmic connection tells me I'm not alone. But there's something even more. See, in these times, the one who named something claimed authority over it. So when, when God claims us as children, he takes authority over it. Now, we live in a, a culture that, that, that authority kind of gets a bad rap sometimes. But he says, no, no, no. He says it's, it's a nurturing authority. It doesn't just signal that you're not alone. He says, but I have named you. I have claimed you. I have called you family. Therefore, I take authority, meaning that he is, in, he is sovereign over me. He is looking out for me. He is protecting me. He is providing me. For me, there's a lot in that, isn't there? This concept of family. See, this comes with a promise, this comes with a purpose, and this comes with power. Power to navigate those kinds of things. See, being connected brings power, surrender brings power, being connected brings power. If you don't believe me, talk to someone who has overcome, who has battled through, and has achieved more than anybody thought they would achieve. One of the things I, I like to do and I love to do is spend time at various places. There's a little yellow house over in Madison that I do this occasionally. I drop in, and, and uh, but I love to spend time with people who are overcoming addiction. One of the reasons I love those places so much is that a there's no there's no false pretense. There's no surface. When you walk in, it is what you, I am who I am. I got nothing to hide, and I love that. I spent a lot of time as an adult in church where. The main objective is to hide everything. So I love these moments where God is stirring and working in people's lives. But one of the things I've noticed after walking with and and, and beside several addicts who have overcome, done way more than they thought on the front end was ever possible, way more than their families thought. You know what I'm finding is the common denominator in all of it? See, people who overcome the impossible, overcome addiction, overcome hardship, here's, here's the key. Community community. Realizing in these moments I'm not alone. And yes, there's a a higher power. There's a God who loves me deeply, but also there is a connection with people. There is a community of people who also love me deeply. There's a support system. There's constant encouragement. There's accountability. There is stability. See, there is power in the statement and promise that you are claimed as family. And Paul says, if I didn't get it clear, if I didn't come through in the first part of this letter when I called you adopted, it, he says, let me reinforce it. I come before, I kneel before the Father who every family, don't forget that you are family. God knew this. He knew that we would desperately need and want connection. And so here's what he does. He prepared us for each other. He prepares that. So here's the progression. He says, listen, you want to experience this fullness of God. This is where it's all leading. He says, I want you to experience the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, it's going to start with surrender. Spend some time on your knees. Spend some time just giving over and surrendering to God. Then move to that, to an understanding that you are united through Jesus, with Jesus, you are connected to the body, you are connected to the whole, you're connected to this community. He says these are essentials, these are starting points to being filled to the fullness of God, and then he's going to move from there, and he's going to spend a little bit of time, and we're going to spend this week and next week kind of finishing up this. He says, then I want to move to something. I want you to begin to evaluate your spiritual self. See, these are things. I have surrendered to God, I have connected to family. Now I want to turn inward for a second. I want to spend some time focusing on your spiritual selves. And he's going to throw out two or three things. And here's where he's going to start. In verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I love this because of all the things that Paul could have prayed for. You know that Paul could have prayed for circumstance to be removed. He could have said, God, you know, these people, they're good people. Man, they have overcome a lot. They, they have given up a lot. They have sacrificed a lot. You know the danger they're in. God, can you somehow deliver them from this circumstance? God, can you change the government? Can you change the system? Can you change what's about to come crashing in on them? See, he could have, he could have asked for that. He could have asked that, that somehow, somewhere, Somebody experienced physical health or physical wealth. He doesn't start there. He says, no, those things are okay. But he says, let me start somewhere different. Because he knows that starting in the right place is going to take us to the best place. He says, starting in the right place is what's going to take you to the best place. Well, where is the, where's the right place? Well, he's kind of given a surrender connection. And then he says, no, I want you to experience this inner power. I want God's Spirit to infuse in you in such a way that that there is an inner power that begins to churn. So, Paul says, number one, he says, I want them to have strength. Strength that they can't manufacture, this inner being strength. It's not surface strength. And Paul's not saying that the Spirit's not at work out here. No, he's just in this moment, he's saying, you need to realize that, that the Spirit is at work in here, that it's active. It's transformational. He says, and it doesn't matter how strong you want to act on the outside, that that strength is just surface unless it's coming from something deeper. He says, you can put on a face, but he says, (laughs) something in time is going to stretch you and pull you, and we'll know in those moments whether that strength is real because it comes from somewhere in here or whether it's just surface, something you've manufactured up. And Paul says, listen, when there is an inner strength, when there is spiritual self that has been taken care of, he says, when you begin to nurture this and surrender and reshape this, there's some pretty powerful things that are going to happen. See, this is a major theme with Paul, and he knows that it is is big, it is important because Paul knows what you and I experience every day. Paul knows that there are going to be moments when life is going to bear down on us. There are going to be these moments when it's going to beat us down. There's going to be tough moments. Oh, but there's even going to be tough seasons where the, you'd, you'd wish a moment. Because this season doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. And I love that Paul says, I want you to know God deeper with this inner strength. See, again, go back a little bit. If you go back to chapter 1, which was just the intro of the letter. If you get to about verse 19, if you remember this, if not, go back and listen to it. He says, I pray this so what we would know... His incomparably great power for those of us who believe. He's mirroring that again. He's saying, I want you to not just know the incomparably great power. Now he's coming back and saying, I want you to experience that. And that that, that experiencing that happens when we begin to surrender, when we begin to connect, and when we begin to turn inward and look at our spiritual self. When we begin to allow God, it happens when we let go. Notice the wording on this. Look, Look at this. He says, out of his glorious riches, which means there's plenty to go around, that God, you, it's abundant with you. And then here it is. He may strengthen you. He may strengthen you. And the way that Paul phrases this is so important because here's what it says. You can't go buy it. You can't manufacture it. You can't earn it. He gives it. That He may strengthen you. That He, God, may provide it for you. That He might gift it to you. That He might allow you to experience it. It comes from God through the Spirit and leads to an indwelling of Christ. See, it starts in the inner, and what starts in the inner doesn't stay there. It begins to shape The outer. Now, while I can't manufacture it, I can't go pick it off the shelf. It does require my attention. It requires me being intentional about seeking it. God's not going to, you know, shove it down my throat. God's going to say, listen, I'm ready to gift it. But you're going to have to be aware that you need it. You're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to give over to it. You're going to have to loosen the grips. And he says that I may strengthen you. He says you've got to be aware of what you need. You can't find what you're not looking for. So let's begin to look. Let's begin to turn inward. I don't know about you guys, but for those that know about this, this this season of awakening, guys, we're eight days in. And it has been already amazing. I've heard several stories. I've gotten a couple phone calls. I had a conversation just this morning. Somebody came up to me and said, let me tell you something that's happening. Our family's praying more together. We've always prayed, but we're praying together. There's connection happening. There's refocusing that is happening. I love that, that over the course of this 30 days, there's going to be more stories. There's going to be even bigger stories. And if you're unfamiliar with it, we just decided last week with, with what has come out to be 410 churches in Nashville. We're just praying. If you're not familiar with it, go to Next Steps. We've got some packets out there we would love to give you and get you on board with this. But it's this month-long time of spiritual self-focus that leads toward us praying for something, a movement of God outward. And it has become glaringly obvious for me over the last few days, and again, all I got to offer you is who I am, so I'm going to be real with you for a second. What has already come glaringly obvious for me over the last eight days of my life in this awakening moment, and this is just one of the few things that I've become awakened to or woke to, is how much time. I spend getting my physical self ready versus my spiritual self every day. Now You may walk out of here and go, I can't follow a guy like that. Man, he's really been too honest. But I began to evaluate just in these eight days because I'm, I'm, I'm retraining. And guys, it's not like I don't ever pick this up. It's not like I'm not doing some things. It's not like I don't pray. But I began to just in this moment, I began to go, all right, what's this inventory? How much time do I spend physically versus how much time do I spend spiritually getting myself ready? I began to go, well, I shower every day. That's depending on where I've got to be. That's like 25 minutes. if you're not taking 25-minute showers, you're missing out. Now I shave, not lately, but I shave. And I'm going, okay, that's, you know. And then I pick out shoes. I don't know how you pick out your wardrobe. I start with shoes and work up. (laughs) Then I pick out clothes, and then I got to go iron the picked out clothes. I brush my teeth. Some days I do my hair. I'm going, man, that's quite a bit of time. All right, so let's move to the other side of the page. Again, these are things that God is stirring and awakening me to. And the list wasn't quite as long. Some good things on the list. And so in that moment, I started dropping on my knees and said, all right, God, I'm going to start surrendering my time. God, you've woke me up. Getting up at 6, 630, which for me, if you know me, that's way earlier than any human being should ever get out of bed. And it's way colder. It's like 40 degrees colder than when I normally stroll out at 9. And I've been walking. Lori and I have been getting out and walking, and here's how my prayer starts. God. Wake me up. Wake me up. And God, go to work on my spiritual self. Why? Because I want to experience this inner strength. God, I want more of you. I want you to do something great. God, I want to take better care of my inner self. And I want to be aware so that you, what? You may give me those things. God, can I prepare myself in such a way where they just fall in there because your spirit's putting them in there. I want to do that, and power is going to come from that. And Paul says, oh, he'll do it. Oh, he's going to give you the measure of all the fullness. He's going to strengthen you. But he says there's going to be some things that you've got to come along with. You've got to kneel. You've got to surrender. You've got to long for, look for, search for. And he says then that strength is going to allow us to grasp something. And we'll get there next week. As we land this morning, here's here's what I want to ask. What would you do if you felt and had the confidence that you are really strong? You know, we kind of started off with a, I don't know, just a list of examples of some things that might be. But there's something that you would add to the list where you go, that's not fair, that's not right. I wouldn't plan on that. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what... You know, I don't know if I've got the power to even deal with this. But let me ask you, what would you do? How would you feel if you had full confidence that I'm strong? And it's not because I'm strong, but because I know who's moving in me. I know who's moving through me. I know who's moving for me. What would you do in these moments that you go, you know what, I just don't think I have the strength to endure this, but a little nudge, a little encouragement, a little something. If I, if I could feel something divine, uh, you know what, that, I, I, I think I could do it then. I, I think I could get through it. Uh, you know, that would go a long way. Can I just tell you, how will you respond to this? This longing, this needing this. How, how will you respond? Me? I mean, what's, what, what's your post-game interview going to sound like? When life hits you with these things, when it's unfortunate and unfair, what's the post-game interview? Here's my prayer, and it's Paul's prayer. I pray that you respond with power, with strength, with peace that can only come from this inner being. I pray that you begin to surrender a little bit more every day. I pray that, that this season of Awaken is not just about praying for the city of Nashville. It's praying for you to be awakened as well. That you begin to say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you a little bit more time every day. I'm going to give you a little bit bigger piece of this every day. I want to give it to you all, but you're going to be patient with me because I've been kind of locked in. I've been tightening the grip for a long time. So, God, I'm just going to willfully give you my life. God, I'm going to confess some things to you. See, this is part of my confessing, too, as I walk every morning now. God, I need more of you in my life. I've come to know this too, that that God, every every bit of you that I experience is good. Why would I not want more of it? So I'm saying, God, give me more. He's already given me more than I would ever do. But God, I need more of you. I want more of you. I'm going to admit that. I'm going to confess that. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you for direction. I'm going to trust you when it doesn't go exactly like I had it mapped out or that I think is fair. I'm going to depend on you, and I'm going to depend on your timing. And I'm going to look at him, and I'm going to praise in the good moments, and I'm going to look at him for provision in the bad moments. And what we're going to see is all of this, we're going to open this up next week, all of that is going to begin to take root. And when it begins to take root, we can begin to grasp, and when we begin to grasp, we can begin to experience the full measure of all his fullness. Stand with me. Here's what I want to end with today. I want to ask you, what's your next step? We're, we're a place that, as Chris said, it's, it's not just embracing who we are, our humanity, that you know what, we don't have it all together, that we're not perfect. It's also about moving you somewhere. And it's not me moving It's it's God through his spirit moving you. And and we're a place that celebrates steps. We're not asking you to take a big giant leap. We're just asking you to take a step. And so I don't know what your next step is today for you. Maybe your next step is saying, listen, I I just need to make a decision. I'm in or out. Because I, I haven't accepted Jesus. I haven't knelt. I haven't surrendered. He's not Lord of my life. Can I ask you to explore that if that's you? If you're sitting there and go, you know, I don't, I don't know, am I a Christian, am I not? I, I, can we talk about that? Let's talk about what salvation means. Let's talk about what God has done and how he has provided as this father for you. Let's talk about what Jesus can do when he takes hold of your heart. Let's talk about what all that means. Maybe your next step is just, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to be baptized. Maybe, my, you know, I've been, I've been kind of coming, I've been, I've been listening, and, man, I've surrendered, but, but I need to do something where something signals a, a, a change of pace to my friends, my family, my coworkers. Maybe for you, it's just saying, listen, I've got to let go of some things. I need to feel forgiveness, or, you know what, I've got to get rid of some shame and some guilt that's really weighing me down, and I know in here that God has forgiven me, but I have a hard time in here. Can we pray for you for those things? Those are tough moments, aren't they? To completely let go of something that's shameful. I was with somebody this last week and 10 days ago. She told me, she said, I don't think I can ever let go of the shame I feel right now. I said, you thought about just starting with praying about it. See what happens. And I know that, that you may think, oh, that's just the pastor cop-out. That's what you're supposed to say. And I said, i tell you what, I'll commit to praying that for you. If you'll just in your own way begin praying that for yourself, just see what happens. She came over to the house on Friday and in tears. She said, I've never felt released. And she goes on to tell me this story like I did Wednesday night and I can't explain it and she's telling me about it. She goes, what do you think that is? I says, God. Because that's what God does. God loves to not just save us for something in the future. God says, no, I want to save you, preserve you, strengthen you in the present. And so maybe you've never experienced just forgiveness and letting go. We'd love to Begin praying that for you as you begin to explore that. Maybe your next step is saying, Listen, I really want to go deeper. Not so that I can know more facts, but so that, as Paul says, so that you can know him deeper. Let's talk about what that can look like. See, there's all kinds of steps. And so we're just here to help you navigate those steps. Your step, not my step, your step. And so every week we we offer this to you, but we have shepherds here, and they're some of the greatest people on the planet. They're my mentors. They're my spiritual rocks, and they're yours. And so they're all back at Respond. If you need something this morning, and listen, I know that, you know, if you go back there, other people might see you back there, and that might not be your thing. And just just write it on that welcome home card or write it on a Respond, and just slip it in to the red boxes, and we'll begin praying for you without even having a conversation. But if you want a conversation, we'll have it in a private place. But I want you to know that that's here for you so that you can begin to work on, evaluate, and allow God to do something in this, inter, this, this inner being. And then we're going to end today with gathering around tables, tables that we call communion. And these tables are just, they're family tables. One of my favorite places to eat in Nashville is Monell's. If you haven't been to Monell's, you're missing out. I would suggest that you not have anything to do for a few hours after because you're going to want to take a nap. But one of the things I love about Monel's is you gather around these tables and it might be you or your friends, depending on how many you take, but if you only go with two, three, four people, you're going to sit with a whole table of people. Black, white, in town, out of town. I don't know, rich, poor. But throughout the course of the meal, inevitably, you're going to ask questions like, you guys from around here? Oh, that's good. And you're going to leave there kind of feeling like you know these people. And these are kind of like Monell's tables. Like you get around with people that you know, but you also get around these tables with people you don't know. And you share something together. You share a meal. And this meal doesn't consist of fried chicken and collard greens, but it, it consists of bread and this little cup that represents something pretty important to us as believers. It represents Jesus. It represents God making a way when I thought there was no way. It, it represents God moving on our behalf. And he did it in a pretty big way. He gave us Jesus. And so we're going to gather around. We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done and who he is and what he's going to continue to do. He's, we're going to celebrate his rescue past, but his rescue that is needed present. And we're going to go ahead and celebrate and say thank you for the rescue we know is coming. And so we do this every Sunday together. Not because we're afraid if we miss it, you know, God's going to be mad, but no, we do it so that we can celebrate him, but then we get to do it together as a body. So if you're new to it, it's open. You don't have to be a member or have anything like that. Just, it's up to you. If you're seeking, I want to invite you to the table. If you're not comfortable with that, just kind of stay put. These guys are going to play one more song. We're going to get on to chicken wings and all that other good stuff. But don't leave here today. I promise you, you're not going to have a better, as cheesy as the punt, you're not going to have a better kickoff to your day than this. By gathering with God's people around these tables, Father, this morning, we just pray that you will allow us to begin to experience this inner strength that you talk about. For some of us, God, we're right there on the verge. We just got to kneel. We got to surrender. Can I ask for the people that are right there on that, that edge of surrender? God, would you give them the courage to do And then when it happened, God, will you just open, you just open the floodgates? You, you promise that? That when we give you little bits of trust, that you, you, you magnify those, you multiply that little bit into something great. And so I pray that they begin to experience in the, in the direct moment after surrender, God, they begin to experience again this, this power and strength they didn't even know was possible. It's, it's what you're going to go on through Paul to say is it's beyond what we can ask or imagine. God, for those of us who are feeling you know, pretty strong, God, will you help us to locate people around these tables who aren't and begin to love on and encourage and Continue to allow belonging and community to happen so that they can experience that. And Father, most of all, we are so grateful for what sits at the middle of each of these tables, the host, your son, who not just makes breakthrough possible, but it it makes ministry possible. It makes us being able to walk with and allowing people to see you through us possible. So may we celebrate that today. Before we ever put our hands together for a touchdown, God, may we celebrate this. So I thank you for what this table represents and thank you for what this table actively provides and does for us. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. You're dismissed to the tables.